couple of weeks ago, we looked at the battle of the mind from Romans 12 2, and it reads, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's quite a familiar scripture, quite a popular scripture, really is the basis for modern psychology today, which all relates back to the Bible. That rather than conforming to certain patterns of your thinking that is from the world and life and all that we have, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only in recent years has psychologists and neuroscientists actually have discovered that the brain is malleable. That means that the brain can be changed, it can be formed, it can be renewed. So, so Paul, in writing this in Romans, in, from a download from the Holy Spirit, 2,000 years ago, was speaking about this revelation that 2,000 years later, scientists would finally catch up with Scripture. This, this is really a revelation for us and for the church and for the Christian. What the Bible says is true. That once you apply the Word of God, you will see transformation by the renewing of your mind. And we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, and to dive into this scripture deeper, it kind of continues on this, this theme of, of our minds and the battle in our minds. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. This is speaking mental war. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you remember the story of Joshua and the army of God? The weapons of the world was smash through the wall, send the archery over. It was to go through. The weapons of the word and God's way was to walk around the wall and through God's power, it would have a testimony to say that was only God. The same is true for our minds, through our thinking. It, it may not be in line right now, particularly when it comes to the modernity and the liberalism and the way that certain people say that this is the way we do things now. We say, no, we're still doing it the way the scripture outlined it even 2,000 years ago. We do not waver our belief and our theology according to what's the latest fad today. We stick true to what God says in his word. And we need theology and good theology to interpret his word according to scripture and not according to our preference and experience. But we see here that he talks about a stronghold. A stronghold is a wrong pattern or pathway of thinking that has become a dominant thought and therefore something we believe. A stronghold is false. It's like a wall built up in your mind that has been built to keep out the truth and instead is keeping the lies inside. And it's a dominant thought that becomes a belief and a belief determines the direction of your thinking, which determines the direction of your behavior, which determines the direction of your actions, which determines the direction of your life. So what do we do? Verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Everything that comes against 
God and our knowledge of him, our belief of him and of his word, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. We take hold of it. What do we do when we all, each one of us, even right now in this moment, experience battles in our minds when we have negative thoughts, negative mindsets, negative pathways and patterns that all of us have adopted to? What do we do? Scripture gives us the answer. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Think about that language. We take it captive. We, we, we take it. We take hold of it. We, we uproot it. You know that little, the little voice in your head that, that tells you you're not good enough, you're, you're too small, you're too big, you're too, you're too whatever, and, and it's, no, I'm going to take that captive. Before it has the opportunity to take root, I'm going to uproot it. I'm going to take it a captive and what am I going to do with it? Am I going to just, like, you know, uh, all of a sudden visualize a better life? And if I could just, um, you know, just think of and, and imagine what, what could be. And if I could just work harder. No, I make it obedient to who? To Christ. What we just said earlier, what a beautiful name it is. Jesus, the name of Jesus. Jesus' name can overcome all things, even the battle in our mind. I'm going to bring it to Christ. I'm going to submit it to him. I'm going to compare with what I sense the voice inside of me is speaking according to what the voice of God says and the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to bring it to Christ. As I was you know, studying for and preparing this message this week, God gave me a little lesson in, in practicing what you preach. You know, this morning I woke up, I didn't feel like preaching. You know why? Four days of one of my children, out of four, vomiting. I won't even go into detail what else, but you can imagine uh, it's not come from the mouth. And all over the place, and, and not sleeping for four nights, and I had adrenaline, everything was going well. And I woke up this morning, and I was like, I don't feel it today, it's just gone. And I came in this morning, I said to Alan, who was here preparing the place, he's leading our services down in Newbridge today. I said, I can't even picture how I'm going to preach today. You know what he did? He just, he's just like, you can do it, Sean. It's going to be fine. You know, you've been here before. You know the way Alan speaks when he leads the service. You know, you've been here before and it's going to be okay. You got to lift your head up. You gotta, he's speaking in, he's speaking in, speaking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. And in worship, I'm like, you know what I've got to do? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In my strength, I cannot do anything. But Lord, in your strength, in Christ, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. You know, I'm not able to fulfill it. I'm not able to make this happen. But you know what? When I make it obedient to Christ and follow him and his direction, he empowers me. He anoints me. He gives me the authority. And I'm not just talking about preaching or leading. He gives me authority to parent, to be in a relationship with my wife, with my husband, with my friends, with my family, with my co-workers, whatever it is. You know what? This is hard. I'm coming against financial difficulties. I'm coming against mental, emotional, 
physical battles, but I believe I'm going to take captive every thought that this is a test, this is a trial, this is a struggle, this is a stronghold, whatever it is, and God is going to give me the strength and the power to break through this stronghold, to demolish every argument, every pretension in order to bring it and make it obedient to Christ and see him fulfill it. Amen? Come on, I feel like I'm preaching a lot better than you're... Anyway, I don't know where that came out of. Take captive every thought. Take captive every thought. You know, we, we look at the, the minds, and our minds are made up of, of neural pathways that take place in our brains, and pretty much that our experiences from an early age right up to the day we pass is, is experiences, their thoughts that are wiring our brains that are that are forming like mental trails and pathways. In other words, every time you think a thought, that thought continues to become a belief that you continuously go back to. It's like, you know, the crevices in a pathway in, in, a, in a field, you know, the same place that everybody walks and it's this trail that's formed. That's like the trails, the thoughts that we think form trails in our minds that makes up our identity. It makes up our whole experience in life. And this is great when we're thinking positive thoughts, but it is suffocating. It is disturbing, diminishing. It is destructive when we are thinking negative thoughts. And to expand this, a little bit further and looking at neural pathways is looking at a term of reference called cognitive bias. A simple definition of cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. In other words, it is thinking and seeing the world based on what you've experienced or what you've preferred. Many people call it a mental filter or mental framework in your life. You know that, that old saying that no one sees the same rainbow twice, you know, in the same way? The same is true for every single area of our life. No one sees me right now the same way you all see it through your mental filter, your mental framework, and where your experiences are actually shaping and forming the experiencing experience that you're having right now in this moment. For some of us, we may have grown up in a particular context and experienced something bad happen to us or, or certain um, experience that we walked through that was traumatic or was a tragedy or was a loss or was pain or it was something positive that we experienced that we then go through life comparing the rest of our life to that positive experience. And because of this, we develop a mental framework of thinking that sets filters like a lens over our eyes that we see the world in this way and we think, why can't everyone else see it this way? You know what I'm saying? That's why, you know, all of this, you know, we've had so much division and tension in every facet and area of society. Why? It's because everybody has their filters the same way they've had it from the beginning of time, but now they're demanding, you should see it my way. Anyone else get that? You should see it according to my culture, to my background, to whatever it is, to my country that I come from, the way that I speak. But the truth is that we all see it in different ways. And it's understanding this. Maybe for some of you, maybe you grew up around abusive men. You saw physical abuse. You saw physical difficulties. And every time you, as you grow up from a child, 
into your adolescence that every time that you see a man, you have a certain filter that you see that all men are abusive. All men let me down. And you bring that into the rest of your life and it sets a filter or a framework for the rest of your life. Maybe your parents separated or divorced when you were a kid. And it sets in your mind the framework for marriage. That when it comes to commitment and all of your relationships, you begin with the filter that I'm going to be let down. Because in the end, commitment, it's kind of fickle. It's fragile. Even though I say I do, it can always end in divorce. Maybe you were bullied as a child or called names. And you know what? It's funny that, that it can even be a throwaway comment that was made, but it makes such a significant impact in your mind. And it has shaped the identity and you see it. And even when you meet new people and like who don't know you from Adam, you still think they're going to find out who I am. And they're going to find out the truth about me. Maybe you moved from town to town or country to country and what stability to you is something that you never experienced. And so much instability, you, stay, you struggle to stay in a job, stay in a relationship, to stay in one place. You need to be always moving. And what happens is the experiences that we have in life, not just the thoughts, but the experiences can shape our life because the filters you have shapes how you see life. Everyone get me what I'm saying? The filters you have shapes how you see life. Now here's the revolutionary transformational thing. Once you change the filter, it actually changes how you feel. You can change the filter. The Lord can redeem those experiences. He, he, can, he can give you certain perspective and He can change the filter that can change how you feel and change how you experience life. If, has anyone experienced this? You know, if you're on Instagram, if you've taken a photo, or if you just got a smartphone today, you know this. I can take a, an okay photo, do a little bit of editing, put a little bit of things on it, and go, boom, wow, that's a masterpiece. My wife is amazing at this, right? Anybody looks at her Instagram, or sometimes my Instagram, because she takes the photos, and you will see this picture, and people say to me, it looks like you had an amazing time. Your family is so sweet. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, wait until you see the sour. <laughs> Wait until you come home. And what happened is there's this chaos in this moment with four kids and they're shouting, there's going on. Everybody's like, in this moment, 10 photos taken in a row. Everyone smile, smile. I don't want to smile. Smile. Goose smile. Their brothers are kicking each other, punching each other. Everybody smile, a snapshot, filter, boom. And that's what everyone sees. But that's not reality. That's not truth. The reality is you've got to come home for 24 hours in our house and experience all the madness that goes on. But what can happen in all of our experiences, it may not have even been true what we went through or what we heard or what we experienced. We took a snapshot, we put a filter over it, and all of a sudden it's determined how we feel. We bring that and we walk that through life. Changing the filter often changes how you feel, how you view life, the relationships you have. And this cognitive bias on a past experience or a preference you have or a certain way that you spoke or acted or whatever it is, your features, whatever, it can be a default filter. 
And so therefore, our brain is pre-wired to think in a certain way, and we interpret situations, we interpret relationships. And this is why two people can have the same experience and respond in two different ways, because the filter shapes what you see. Two people can walk into church. You may be here right now in the moment. Two people sitting around beside each other are thinking completely two different things. One person is thinking, what is this lad on about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. This is an awful place. It's too cold. The worship was too loud. You know, the coffee is too cold. Whatever it is. You know, we all have different experiences. And walking out going, I'm never going back to that place. Someone else can be here sitting in this moment saying, I'm experiencing healing. Oh, I love this community. I've been struggling. I've been fighting. I've been battling. I've been stressed. But right now I can sense the peace of God. I need to come back. I, I need to be a part of this church. You see, here's the thing. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filters. Our reality and our truth might be the same, but they're different. Not because of what's going on, because of the filter that we have. But if you change the filter, it will change how you feel and it will change how you view life. We can see this in scripture. You know, most, one of the most famous examples is Numbers chapter 13 and 14 where Moses coming from Egypt, getting ready to go into the promised land, sends 12 spies representing the 12 tribes of Israel into the promised land. The land of Canaan, the land that they were waiting for, preparing for. He sends the spies in, 12 of them. All 12 come back. The first two, Joshua and Caleb, say, wow, the land is flowing with milk and honey. The Lord has promised us this land. We should rise up and we should take it. What did the other 10 say? <laughs> the, the army are like, like, make us look like grasshoppers. Stamp on us. It is too much. It is too big. We should not go there. We should stay away. The, the proportion of two to ten is very like our world today. You've got to, like, most people are cynical and negative and criticize. Most people. Like the majority of people. You've got to fight in order to have a positive filter. You've got to fight to believe having optimism or saying, you know what, God can do it. He will heal. He will provide. He will make a way. He is the way maker. He is a miracle worker. You know what? It takes work because you got to go against the ways of the world in order to see transformation through the renewing of your mind. And what happened, they both had the same experience, but two had a different filter. They had a filter of faith. The others had a filter of fear. Filter of lack. They, they believed, maybe God won't. And the others believe, God can do all things. It's not just the filter, however, that matters. It's also the frame. How you frame it in life. How you frame it determines how you see it. Again, I wrote down this example just recently and I experienced the very thing this morning. You can wake up in the morning having not slept well. And you can be getting ready to enter into a busy day. A day that is full. A day that you have demands, responsibilities. And you can think to yourself, this day is going to be so hard. Oh my goodness. I just feel, how am I going to get through this day? 
How am I going to do this? I feel so tired. I feel so wrecked. I've got so much. I've got to, I've got to get up and go to work. I've got to go through the day. I've got responsibilities. I still have to like look after my children. I have to get them up and get them out into school. I have to go through the whole day. I won't get into bed until 10 o'clock tonight. How am I going to get through this day? Anyone had that experience? Anybody gone through that? Even before you've gone out of bed, you're framing your day and what's going to happen. That's a choice we've got to make. Or we can make the choice, yes, I am tired. Yes, I did not sleep well. Yes, I'm feeling sick. And yes, I feel like I'm not going to be able to do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mentally prepare myself for today. I'm going to call a friend like Alan. You should call Alan. And he's going to, I'm going to say, I'm struggling. I need help. Hey, you can do this today. You can do all things. You can get through this. This is going to be okay. You can be encouraged and can build yourself in the faith. You can open the word of God and start your day with God's word. Say, God, give me a word. I'm going to, I'm going to, Read your word. I'm going to ask your Holy Spirit to speak to me. I'm going to turn on worship music. You know what? I'm going to actually determine today. I'm going to frame my day saying this, this could go this way. But you know what? I'm going to make the decision today that I'm going to have energy. I'm going to have an attitude. I'm going to have a certain way in which I'm going to get through today. You may be like, Sean, that's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard in my life. That's like something I'd hear on God TV. It's like you can do all things and you can be positive and if you just smile, you'll feel good, all that stuff. You know what? It, it's rubbish. But at the same time, the truth of God's word is how you frame it can be how you see it. Because the truth of the matter, all that God has given you is far more than you can ever, ever need. To accomplish in what he's called you to do. I only had five hours sleep. Can God still give you the energy to fulfill it? Oh, you don't have enough money. Is money really going to stop you and prevent you from doing what God has called you to do? Oh, I don't have enough energy. I have an ailment. I have a disease. Really? Okay. Is the Lord not your healer? Maybe you got to adapt through this disease or sickness that you have. But maybe God still wants to fulfill through you in spite of that to show others what can be done. What is it that you've framed yourself? And maybe you've said certain terminologies like, yeah, I'm not that way. I'm not that person. Yeah, I don't really do that. Anyone ever said that? I don't, I'm not really a worship guy. I don't really do all that raising my hands and hallelujah and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? What do you do when you watch a football match like Man City versus Inter Milan last night? What do you do with a Leinster game or an Ireland game? Or what, what do you do then? You praise. Ah, okay. But you keep it for them and not for the Lord. You see, we can put ourselves in certain frames and certain boxes that what a stronghold, like a wall set around us, now God wants to destroy. He wants to break it down. He wants to destroy every argument and pretension so that he can build up within you a faith and resilience that you never thought you would have. He wants to open doors so that you could walk through and you say, that prepared me for this. Reframing is a very simple tool that can be used 
for our minds and for our life. It's creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Think about your life right now. Maybe what you're experiencing is the exact opposite of what you had expected. Maybe you have suffered, you have walked through difficulty and pain and grief. And you can frame it in such a way where you say, well, that's lost now. Maybe you dreamed of being married and you pray to God and he gave you your soulmate who you loved. And ended up going down a certain path that ended in divorce. And now where there was harmony, there is deceit, there is lies, and there's hatred. What you had expected, you're experiencing the exact opposite. But can God redeem that? Can, can God change that? Can God give it to you even in the midst of this relationship to turn your heart around, to love? To love someone who is unlovable? To be gracious to someone who has wronged you? To forgive someone who has hurt you? You see, all of this, this reframing, it's biblical. It's scriptural. It's, it's about letting go even when you don't want to. It's about believing even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, he's still working. He's still working. And he will work it out. He will make it come to pass. When? I don't know when, but I'm called to walk the path. I'm called, you know what? I can't control it, but you, I, I can't even see it. I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I'm just going to be faithful. It's reframing it, reframing it, and reframing it. As I finish, I'm going to bring the, the team up. I want to finish with, with Paul. Paul speaking in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Paul had a, this experience, with the, which is the exact opposite of his expectation. The Lord had sent him as the first missionary to the Gentile world to bring the gospel. Paul, having been a Roman through, through Roman descent, is born as a Jew. But having Roman descent, had this, this picture and this vision, this dream that God gave him to go to Rome. Because if you can go to Rome and if you can take Rome, which is the epicenter of the world, the gospel can go out throughout the whole world. And so we see this path as you read through the New Testament, and Acts in particular, where he's going around to the different areas and finally gets to Rome. What happens in Rome is he is imprisoned for the very thing that God had called him to do, which was preach the gospel. And he has this experience and he's got the decision to make, am I transformed by the renewing of my mind or am I to be conformed to the pattern of this world, of this experience, of this jail cell, of this trial, of this test, of this suffering, or am I going to reframe it and say, God, have your will. And he writes in chapter 1, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me although it may look bad to most people, has actually served to advance the gospel. 
And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. This may look bad to you, but don't worry. God knows what he's doing. I'm you may think I'm chained up to this. No, I'm chained up for Christ. And because of my chains, verse 14, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't it amazing how God used this experience and this moment to imprison his faithful one, to put him in a jail cell so that he could write these words? To encourage the church. And Rome, guess what? Even though Paul was executed, Rome became the epicenter of Christianity. It was just through a different way. Because of what Rome did and accepted the gospel, it became Christianity spread throughout the world. And we know what happens next. That the Roman Empire falls down. Christianity goes into darkness. And who rises up? The Irish. Well, that's a story for another day before I get carried away. I love this word, and this has been speaking to me. Verse 14. And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Without fear. You see, it's not the facts that are different. It's how you frame it. Dare all the more to proclaim the gospel throughout your life. Tell you what, proclaiming the gospel is not a sermon that's spoken on Sunday morning. Proclaiming the gospel is 40 years of faithfulness, getting up day in, day out, being transparent, being the same on the platform, off the platform, being the same with your words and your actions, your behaviors and your habits, the same with your, your, your thinking and what you do with it. That's proclaiming the gospel without fear. And here's one thing I want to leave with you, you with. It's a truth that we must understand. That as Bono sang one day that he still can't, hasn't found what he's looking for. The truth is this, that you will always find what you're looking for. You will always find what you're looking for. If you want to look for negativity, you will find it. If you will want to find a reason to get out of it, you will find it. If you want to find cynicism and pessimism and all the negativity that's around today, you will find it. If you want to look for what God can do, for what God says is possible, if you want to look for inspiration and encouragement, you will find it. And here's my encouragement to you as we take captive every thought. We make obedient to Christ. It's not the facts that make the difference. It's, it's how you frame it. It's the filter that you use. And here's my final encouragement to you. Look for God's goodness and you will find it. Look for God's goodness and you will find it. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Can you see the goodness of God? Can you see, like Paul did, 
that even like he did not know what was going to happen next. For him, he was a failure. He was headed towards death. That was the end of his life. And he said, because of this experience, Christians all around the world are witnessing, are being persecuted, but daring all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. What are you walking through, going through, seeing, experiencing, thinking, going through right now that you just got to change what you see and instead look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness. You may, not, you may feel like a failure. You may feel like it's over. You may feel like I can't do this. The thinking that has determined your entire identity and life. Instead, I'm going to take it captive. I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? I'm going to surrender at the feet of Jesus. I'm coming back to the cross with my sin, with my shame, with my guilt, with my past, with all my wrongdoings. I'm going to say, God, make it new. Make me clean. Help me to see you in this. I want to encourage you right now, if you want to make that decision, if you want to bring it to Christ, to make all things obedient to Him, would you just say these words with me? Jesus, I surrender. I give it to you. I make it obedient to you. I submit all my ways, all my understanding. I believe in you. In Jesus' name.